Brethren, this year, one of the most profound scriptures that should reflect every aspect of our life is found here in Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11 in verse 6. Let's all turn there. It's on our seal, brethren, and it should express everything of what we hope and to see in tomorrow's world. Notice, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, and their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt or destroy an, an, in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Brethren, this year at this Feast of Tabernacles, let's make a change in our thinking. Let's truly begin to understand the Father's love being expressed in us. A couple of years ago, Mr. Ames presented a sermon on unconditional love. His sermon on unconditional love was so moving to me because in it was a clip that we're going to play at the end of this sermon. So stay tuned. It represented, brethren, the love of the Father, the love that he has for his creation. When the angels sang for joy at the very beginning and how then we read that it got off track and later now we understand, brethren, that it needs to be reconciled back to that very basic premise of love. Brethren, God loves us through his creation, his way of life, his truth. It sets us free through his plan where we actually become like our Father in His family, brethren, totally like those that He has given to us as examples. We see it even in the creation. We will see shortly in that clip on how with real love expressed towards these animals, these wild animals, they have expressed that love back. In very, and the, He is the very essence of love, brethren. He really is. You know, true friendship knows no limits. If there's love involved, brethren, if true love is not eternal in its nature as its very character trait of God, then we would have no hope and we would be destroyed. So today let's understand the Father's love and how it must be expressed in us. Let's understand this at this Feast of Tabernacles. Let's actually practice it in every aspect of our lives, whether you're going to be seeing this sermon later or at the feast or in some other way, brethren, let's grasp this true meaning of the Father's love that must be expressed so that we can be in his kingdom. If you will turn to 1 John 4 and verse 8, you will see a very basic scripture that I hope will be that you will think of throughout this sermon. Notice, he who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Notice that. In this is love. And not that 
We loved God because we didn't initially, brethren. We really didn't. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, notice that, we also ought to love one another. There is a clear command that we love one another. How are we doing so far? We had a trip to the Feast of Tabernacles in most cases, most of us. And how did we do on the way? Did we love our family members? Did we love those around us who were traveling with us? Or was there division and arguments? And, you know, the wedges that are driven in. Notice what it also says here, brethren, in 1 John 5 and verse 2. Just a little further in the book of 1 John 5 and verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Brethren, each of us must keep his commandments. We can't think that we do God a service and fight and argue and drive those wedges within the body of Christ and think that we love God or that we love the family of God. For this is, in verse 3, the love of God, that we keep his commandments. That we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. In order to accomplish what we read in that beautiful scripture of Isaiah 11, in order for us to be a participant in that, to help bring that about, in order for God to bring this to this earth, the whole world is going to one day be keeping the commandments of God, those wonderful, beautiful commandments that represent every aspect of life in our lives. And as magnified in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Turn now with me, if you would, to Romans 5 and verse 5. Notice what it says here. I'm going to read this out of the Bible in basic English. I think that captures just a little deeper essence of this particular scripture. And the hope does not, and hope does not put to shame because our hearts are full of love. Have you felt hopeless or depressed or discouraged at any time in your uh, present or in the future that you know you're going to be facing something? Perhaps when you get back from the Feast of Tabernacles and you had a difficult time taking off for this period of time. Brethren, each of us needs to have that hope. It says, because our hearts are full of the love of God through the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. You know, brethren, that Holy Spirit is the very essence of the Father living inside of us to give us that hope, to give us that, that hope and love. And so our hope is not put to shame because we are full of that love, of that joy and peace and all of the fruits that is encompassed by the love of God. Notice what it says here in Jude 1 and verse 21. Jude 1 and verse 21. Again, this uh, particular scripture, I'm going to be switching back to the King James Version. It says here, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We are to keep ourselves in this love that needs to be expressed through us. The Father's love of his essence, of his very person living inside of us through that Holy Spirit, his power living in us. 
What about it, brethren? Are we having problems at with the hotels? Are we having problems? I asked this last year when I spoke on shalom, on peace. Are we at peace there where we're at or in our families? Or are our families in disarray and disruption? Are we loving and respecting one another with brotherly affection and love and goodwill and benevolence, all the definitions for love, brethren? Are we totally having a festival of love at the Feast of Tabernacles? These are questions we need to think. What about the love towards our neighbor? Notice this in Matthew 22 in verse 34 through 40. Matthew 22 verse 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together And then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. Now you know what's coming here. Testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with every aspect of everything that we are all about, that brotherly love, that affection, that goodwill, that that totally uh, engulfed in the benevolence and that love of God, totally uh, permeating every aspect of our body, our mind, our heart, and our very being. Notice this. And then he goes on to say, this is the first and great commandment. And then he goes on to say, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In today's tragedy, brethren, some don't even love themselves in the world today. That they would do away with themselves. This is wrong, brethren. The discouragement and the depression that comes on us sometimes through living in society that is being permeating with every aspect of what Satan is all about, with his broadcasting 24-7. So, brethren, take that moment to tune in to God. Make sure that during the feast you're praying and studying uh, on your own. Uh, somebody mentioned to me that many tune in also online, even during the feast, to some of the sermons uh, offline. This is a this is wonderful. We hear the wonderful sermons at the feast, and then we go back to our hotel rooms and read the scriptures and and enjoy the feast and the activities. But when we include God in this part of our lives, brethren, we are including that love without even realizing it. It's coming into us through his spirit, stirring it up. It's exciting, brethren, to be at the feast. And sometimes we can forget that the great God is here and he's put his presence right here at the Feast of Tabernacles. This is when we especially need to really be about expressing and growing in the love of God as a reflection of who and what we are all about and that world uh, to come in the future, brethren, that tomorrow's world that will come that will be a total reflection of everything that God is, and certainly, brethren, everything that Satan will be removed from. So he will not have any type of influence on that world tomorrow. Brethren, in Matthew 23 and verse 23, we see a very clear scripture here as we see that the second is like it. 
that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these, the, all the commandments hang. But notice what it says in Matthew 23 and verse 23. A very interesting uh, indictment, if you please. Christ says, woe to you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, brethren, this is one thing we should not be at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is a joyful time, a wonderful time. Let's spend it helping and giving and serving and getting involved in every aspect of the feast. Every aspect, if there's help that's needed or announcements that are made where help is needed, where uh, situations come up, get involved, brethren. Be about the love of God. Fulfill that love of God in each of our lives. But notice what Christ said to those who were hypocrites. For you pay of the tithe and the mint and the anise and the cumin, and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These ought you have done without leaving the others undone. And each one of those things are wrapped in love. As we'll see as we get into the sermon, you can't have all of these others without having love as that foundation that we will, we will see later. And at the end of the sermon, we will actually see a film clip reflecting what can happen, brethren, when that love, that sincere love, is expressed. It's a wonderful, beautiful clip. It really is. But brethren, notice here in Matthew 5 and verse 14. Notice the love that we need to have today, be it towards those at the motel or the hotel where we're staying or the home. You know, if we're staying in a home, take care of the home as if it's your home. In fact, it really is when you really think about it. It's our home away from home, a temporary dwelling. But notice what it says in Matthew 5 and verse 14. It clearly indicates you are the light of the world. Wherever you go, brethren, imagine you being that light. You know, on my new phone that I have, I have this little feature that I can press the button and the light on the back comes on to take pictures or whatever. And it's so bright of a light. But brethren, our light is a spiritual light of love. As we go out into this world, we of all people need to reflect a difference, a total, complete difference in our lives. It needs to be a difference where we affect others in the right way, where we demonstrate that love of God in tomorrow's world that is going to come soon, very soon. Notice, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. When you walk into a home, do you just brighten up that home? Do you brighten up that hotel? Do you brighten up wherever you are, that restaurant where you'll be eating or are eating? You know, brethren, that's what the love of God is all about, is encouraging. When you see somebody who's in need, do you encourage them without even expecting something in return? Brethren, the love of God is expressed in so many ways. And at the Feast of Tabernacles, this is what it is all about. Because we today, brethren, are sacrificing to get this message out to the world. Dr. Meredith has said so often, are we playing at church or are we really doing what we need to be doing? 
Are we giving that message to this world? The only hope, brethren, that this world really has is the message that we are believing in, that we are expressing in our lives, and that we are living a message of total, complete love for this world and the plan of salvation that will save everyone at some point in the future. Brethren, let's, as verse 16 say, let your light so shine before men that we, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The light of the world, are we that refreshingly different with that love of that light coming through us from the Father and that Spirit of God living and flowing in us and flowing out to others? Let's glorify God in everything we do, brethren, so that everyone can see we are different. In fact, we are willing to be different. We are standing on that very promises of God that we read in the very beginning, that we do know God and because we do love our brothers and our sisters. If we go into a restaurant or a facility, are we arguing with one another or are we loving one another? So when we come in, to that facility, everyone says this group is different. And I remember uh, at uh, one of the previous feasts, we all came in as a big group and they were understaffed because they hadn't expected that this many people would come in. And everyone at the table was a party of one, getting up and serving themselves on water and this. And, and the waitress came back and said, you know, you don't know how much I appreciate this. It is a wonderful example of love that's expressed in our lives, doing it, living it daily, brethren. Let's notice also, it goes into a different area, too, of love. You know, we are to be careful, brethren, with others that do not express that love. Notice what it says here in Hebrews 12 and verse 14. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. I've noticed, brethren, not so much uh, in, in our congregations, but I have noticed that individually at times, brethren, we sometimes just allow little things to, to get us under the weather and to slow us down. Notice what it says here in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, which is part of this foundation of love. Pursue peace with all people. Notice it says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which... No one will see the Lord. Now, peace cannot be pursued, brethren, if we don't love that individual, if we really don't want to see the good for that individual, or we're not being benevolent towards that individual, or deeply affectionate towards that individual. You know, brethren, each of us needs to be about what it says here in Hebrews 12 and verse 14. Notice, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. And that was God's favor toward us in love, that we might receive salvation and the forgiveness, brethren, that comes through Jesus Christ and that sacrifice, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Isn't that the way of it? People say, oh, no, it's not going to cause trouble. But time after time, I have seen it. I will go to the Feast of Tabernacles and I'll say, where is so-and-so? And, well, they're just not here this year. 
What a shame. What a tragedy. This will be feast 45 for my wife and I together uh, that we have. Actually, she came along and have uh, has a few more feasts, but uh, uh, that goes back as, as since she is second generation. But for us, brethren, together, understanding and, and growing together as a family, this is exciting. We are, we are excited about it, brethren, and each of us should be, to want to be at the Feast of Tabernacles in joy every single moment in love. And notice, this root of bitterness, some can become defiled. If we're upset and bitter, it might cause others to stumble and others, and we don't want that to happen. If we really love our neighbor, if we really love them as ourselves, if we love God with all of our deepest emotions, our hearts, our minds, all of us together, working together, can create a different environment, unlike what it says here in verse 16 and 17, uh, talking about Esau, who sold his birthright. This is literally what God is offering us. You know, our inheritance, our heritage. Will we sell it for just a few moments of personal satisfaction? Or will we stay in for the long haul and love one another? Notice what it says in Romans 16 and verse 16. I've noticed this over the years, brethren. Romans 16, verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Do we? Do we really greet one another with the handshakes and, and you know, the, the, the love that is, should be expressed to one another? Or do we not? Do we walk by a person because, you know, that person hurt our feelings or whatever? And do we really love one another? The churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions. You see the converse of that, brethren? You cannot, you cannot um, be greeting one another, you really in love, and then at the same time causing divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines which we've learned and avoid them. That's right, brethren. Loving each other is the key, especially at the Feast of Tabernacles because we're in close quarters, we're in different surroundings and environments, we're eating different foods. Each of us needs to be about the business of loving one another and serving and giving to one another. Love is showing compassion. Christ was moved with compassion upon seeing those uh, those masses and those multitudes. Notice in Matthew 9 and verse 36. Matthew 9 and verse 36. I'm going to read this out of the NAS version. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. You see someone that uh, you uh, perhaps are in a restaurant or on the street or wherever and, and they just look downcast or distressed. You know, brethren, that's the way this world is. And a friendly, just a friendly gesture of a hello or a wave when I'm walking through the neighborhood on my uh, continuous program of, of uh, losing weight and, uh, uh, and, you know, my travels of uh, th- two to three miles, uh, th- you know, three to five times a week when I'm not in the gym or, or another place, uh, uh, you know, if it's raining out or something, and I'm outside and it's enjoyable 
enjoyable and you meet somebody or greet someone, you wave and they wave back. It's an exhilarating experience if they don't wave, but at least you express that love towards those individuals. What about in our families, brethren? Each aspect, if you haven't figured it out, I'm going through and uh, looking at each specific aspect. I'd like you to challenge yourselves, brethren, during this Feast of Tabernacles so that when you leave or if you see this uh, particular sermon at another time, challenge yourself. Have I done those things? Have I uh, shown that kind of continuous love and, and understanding and wisdom? I had to keep checking myself all the time. We're all in the same boat on this, brethren. It's no different. We're all human. We, you know, sometimes don't get enough sleep. Sometimes there are other things that disrupt it. We eat something that doesn't agree. But, brethren, that's no excuse for not expressing the kind of love that God expects us to do. Notice what it says in Exodus 20 and verse 12. Exodus 20 and verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Why were these commandments given? Notice this. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. No, you know, not to lie or, or tell uh, things that, that are not correct about someone. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. And, and so forth. All of the things that are your neighbors. You know, now all the people witnessed the thunders, the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And then they said to Moses in verse 19, You speak with us and... We will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Did that really express a love, brethren? I realize they did not have the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we even feel that God is not listening. Brethren, God knows every hair on your head. He understands. He realizes your, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, places to improve, to grow, to change. You know, God is involved in our lives. He understands our our deficiencies and our weaknesses, brethren. You know, brethren, when we go to him and we pray and we say, God, help us, we, we can't do it ourselves. God is there. He really is listening. He has that love for us, brethren. Notice what Moses said, and Moses said to the people, do not fear, don't have terror, which is the opposite of love when you really understand, for God has not has come to test you that his fear or respect may be before you, so that you may not sin, because God wanted them to live a life of fulfillment and completeness and, and of his love, frankly, that encompasses this law of love. But they did not have perfect love. Why, brethren? Because of fear. We must be different. We can't fear. I've heard people say, we're afraid of this. I've even used that term. And then I have to check myself and say, what did I mean by that? 
Well, I have nothing to fear in the, in the, in the, in the trembling sense if we're on the same team as God. And if we do, we go to God and we, we confess our sins and we confess those things that, that we feel that, uh, we're, we're going in the wrong direction and He is faithful to forgive us. What a wonderful God of love who wants to communicate with His people. He wants to be connected with us, brethren. 1 John 4 and verse 18. Notice. Notice what it says here. Notice what I was referring to earlier. There is no fear or dread or terror in love. They had no reason, brethren, to be in terror towards their Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven is a loving God, but perfect, that is, love that is brought to a finish, that is made complete. Perfect love. Cast out fear. The more love we have, it casts out that fear. Have you ever been afraid, discouraged, full of in, insecurity? I had a member one night call me, and she was really concerned and worried. The hail was coming down and hitting uh, the ground, and it, and it sounded like it was going to come right through the glass. And she called me and she said, the storm is just terrible. And I said, kneel down and pray and I will pray. So we did. And all of a sudden, the the hail was gone and the sky opened up and it was all clear. It's amazing what God can do and will do. And if something is happening, contact your Father in heaven. Pray in love, not in terror. Because fear involves torment, being terrified. God doesn't want us to be terrified. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We haven't brought that love to completion. We've still got a little ways to go. And we have more work to do as we continue to build and grow in that love of God. Love is also expressed to each other by Colossians 3 and verse 18. Notice what it says here. Wives, respect or submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And notice in return and in in conjunction with that, brethren, even in the marriage ceremony that we read, you know, wives submit, but at the same time, husbands love. Wives respect. Husbands are benevolent, are outgoing, are kind, are concerned, are overflowing in wonderful, deep honor and love for their wives, too, as well, brethren. And do not be bitter towards them. Bitterness cannot connect. In many families that I've counseled over the years, brethren, and I know the other ministers have said the same thing from Dr. Meredith on down uh, through all of the ministry. The, the, one of the biggest problems in the church of God is failure to communicate. Some of the smallest things try to drive a wedge in. Try to build that bitterness towards each other in your families in love. In, in, uh, and disconnect that love connection with God. And then we go on. Children, obey your parents. Why? That's building that love and that connection in all things, not in a few. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Why? Because it's expressing God's love. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. 
You see, discouragement is the opposite. Fear and terror is the opposite of the foundation of love that all of us ought to be having in place in our lives. Bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, not as men, uh, as men, uh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. At the feast you'll be asked, maybe an usher will come and usher you to a seat. You know, when I was younger, uh, you know, the uh, tendency is I'm going to sit where I want to sit. And when I learned that sitting where the usher placed me, I was blessed. And if there was a problem with being seated in a certain place or being parked in a certain place, it, it was wonderful to see just the love expressed, brethren, as each of us, uh, I saw other examples, connected with the parking attendants or the ushers or whoever, and followed the direction. And if there was an issue, they discussed it rather than, I'm not going to do something, I'm going to do my thing. You see, all of us together, working together, makes the difference, brethren, It makes the feast exciting and wonderful. It makes the feast pleasurable, but it also gives us that wonderful dynamism inside of us of love and excitement. And and we want to be there experiencing each of these things, even though many times we might have to say, yes, sir, we'll do that. And we'll sit here or we'll do this or we'll do that. Or if there's a genuine need, go to somebody and tell somebody so that they can express that love towards you. Brethren, sometimes we don't see it as Moses said here. Notice here in Mark 7 and verse 10. Mark 7 and verse 10. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But then Christ goes on and really expresses this now. He says, but you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me as Corbin, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things you do. You know, sometimes I hear that, Well, this is what we always do as a family at the feast. That's wonderful. But sometimes we can't always accomplish certain things that we want. Maybe it's time to look outside that box in this box that we have kind of put ourselves in at times and include others in our circle of love. If we're inviting people uh, to to come uh, out to eat and we invite those that are, are part of our family or those that that we know that are our friends, invite somebody you don't know. Bring them along with you. Invite others. And if they can't come, go out and get others, brethren. Because the wonderful love that we can express towards everyone at the Feast of Tabernacles is an, is an expression of God working through us through his spirit don't say that well i've got my own traditions and therefore i can't do some of these things 
Think outside that box. Walk in wisdom, trying to regain those even that have you have lost when you entered into the truth and tried to speak at or to do push that truth down their throat. As an example, we I had an experience that came to me where I had the opportunity to kind of repeat the lesson, so to speak. And I was a little too strong to a family member. And I had an opportunity when they called uh, to ask a question. We were going to the Feast of Tabernacles. They knew it. I went ahead and I said, well, we're going to our, you know, a church conference or uh, church festival of tabernacles and they said oh yes i remember that um, from the past i you know we talked about it. and i said yes i'm sorry at that time i was a little overbearing and, and enthusiastic uh, about it but i want you to know that we love you and you know it was a complete change brethren it really was their attitude changed I didn't necessarily win them over in the sense of uh, they wanted to go to the feast, but at least I had rebuilt that connection at the right time when it occurred. That's what it says in Colossians 4 and verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. That may be those at the restaurant who are serving us or in the hotel, as I said, or maybe the owner of the house that you're staying in. Uh, Maybe you're in an activity and, and it's those who are running the activity. Brethren, each of us can use that love and walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. That's right, brethren. Each of us needs to picture ourselves in that position. And when we go to the feast, pray that God will give us the right words to say at the right time so that we express that love of the Father to these individuals. The love of God is expressed, uh, uh, the love of God expressed to us and then, uh, and then the, the way as a living sacrifice. You know, brethren, in John 3 and verse 16, as we have seen from the previous holy days on the days of living bread and the Passover and Pentecost, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And notice what else it says in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Now remember, God so loved the world. Now listen carefully in verse uh, verse 18 here, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, because he loved us, brethren. Notice what it says, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. In other words, they hate that love of God flowing through us and hopefully flowing through us from the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit given to us from God. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come 
uh, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, and that they have been done in God. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Think about it. Do people actually see when you do something that the love of God is expressed in you such that they see that love expressed in you to them? Romans 12 and verse 1 clearly echoes this living sacrifice that I said earlier. Notice this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. You know, brethren, this can only be done if we have the love of God expressed in us, the love of the Father flowing through us, which is your reasonable service. That's a reasonable service. Every time I read that, I think, wow, that's just, that's just the bottom line. That's just the basics. We've got to go above that even. You know, it's amazing. When we read God's word, it's so incredible. It's so full of, of the beauty of what and who God really is. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So when we go into our prayer closets... ask God to have us be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is so important, brethren, that we understand that living sacrifice is so connected with the love of God. It's part of it. It's the very expression of it. Love is reflecting a bright light of who and what we are. Notice Proverbs 4 and verse 18. I thought this was very significant. But the path of the just is like the shining sun. Is that the way we are? We walk in and we're the shining sun, the living, reflecting a living sacrifice? You know, brethren, sometimes we don't see that. Notice that. That shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. When is that perfect day? Perfect day is coming in tomorrow's world. Soon to be here, brethren, each of us expressing that now. So somebody says, wow, there's something different about this group. I don't know how many times we have rented a hall and they're a little reluctant. You know, they don't know us and they're getting to know us on a contract and who are these people and then we come into the hotel or we rent the hall or we have a fee site and uh, and all of a sudden they realize wow this group is different we don't have to do all that extra work for this group of people comes in they take care of business and they really get it done well a christian attitude a loving attitude one that's based on the foundation of love of the Father working through us to show this world a light that is soon to be the only light, brethren. Now we have, as Dr. Meredith has said, a a world mixed, and Mr. Armstrong said this in the past, a world mixed with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, with, with some evil and some good all mixed together. But soon, it's only going to be evil continually, brethren, as it was years ago during the days of Noah. Soon it will be that way, and the only light will be those in the church of God who have this love being expressed in them. 
How about the love towards each of our brothers, specifically brethren? Notice Hebrews 10 and verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Is that what we do? Do we stir it up? Do we go in and stimulate those good works? You know, and if we see some situation that needs to be taken care of and we can be a help or service, go to those in charge and, and say, I think I can help here. I'd like to roll up my sleeves and get involved. Service at the feast is so important, brethren. It really is. First John 1 and verse 3. Notice what it says here. Fellowship with the brethren. Notice this. And and breaking into the middle of this particular verse, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now notice, there are only two individuals here, the Father and the Son. And the Son has gone through it emptied out his life and was resurrected three days and three nights later and is sitting at the very right hand of the Father right this minute as your advocate to help all of us as we go through this life of overcoming and growing and learning these lessons of love. But notice what else it says here. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light. That's if we walk in the light. We have fellowship with one another. That's a reflection, brethren, of who and what our church is. Many times new people that I visit are concerned. I remember even 45 years ago when my sister and I came into the church, the one question we had, would this church be a loving, receptive church? And I remember the experience well because they didn't invite us. The minister didn't invite us the first Sabbath. If we were visited, we could have gone that Sabbath. He invited us the next Sabbath. And he had given a sermon on something similar to this, this love that needs to be expressed in the congregation. And so when we arrived, I, my sister and I were blown away by the, by the reception of, of loving, kind, warm people. And by the third Sabbath, uh, we were just involved in everything. Uh, and it, it was amazing. I just felt like I was one of, one of the, the, the bros, you know, one of the, the group and just one of, of, of the whole body because of the love that was being expressed. And this is happening now in our congregations today. We're seeing more and more of that love being poured out as we, as we get closer to the end. We need to stir it up even more and pray for even more of that in our lives. And notice, and the blood of Jesus Christ, as we continue in verse 7, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, because we go and confess those sins and that blood covers those sins and we go out and express that love to others, that kindness, that living sacrifice, the same sacrifice that Jesus Christ told us that we are to go out, not, a, not he gave his life, we give our life as a living sacrifice. So if someone comes to church, brethren, a brand new person, somebody new at the feast, perhaps, you know, somebody from another group. Greet them, brethren. Hold out your hand and welcome them. Don't tell the person their faults. That's not what we're there for. 
Brethren, welcome those individuals. They'll learn. They'll grow. We all did. I had to grow. My hair was long when I came into the church. It was back during the 60s. I had to learn. All of us had to grow, brethren. And each of us, it takes time to grow. Some more time than others. Let the minister understand if there's something specific and, and not in a tattling way, but in a loving way. Go and say this person is new and, and um, needs, uh, you know, some help or whatever. And be that conduit to facilitate that, to really show that love. You know, brethren, in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1, this time out of the New King James, now concerning the things which are offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge and knowledge puffs up. So what do we think, brethren? Will we, even though we know this whole chapter, and I don't have time to read the entire chapter, but you go ahead and read it. Notice, but if anyone loves God, in verse 3, this one is known by him. Why? Because he is doing the things that he needs to do, not even wanting to cause an offense with an individual, but honoring that person, respecting that person, and loving that person, and bringing that person in as quickly as possible so that they can become one of the group because they want to be a part of, of something that is different, and they're learning and growing. And as I've said, this, this time to be called in, brethren, is even more of a difficult time as this world goes in a direction that I think many of us will even be surprised that it could even degenerate to the point that it will in the future. And so we need that strong bond with each other, that strong love, that strong connection, brethren, with, <clears throat> with each other. Notice what it says here also, brethren. 1 John 3 and verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. How many times, brethren, have we heard, have we seen so many times where somebody says, I hate that individual. I hate that individual. How can we hate our brothers and sisters, brethren, if, you know, we cannot love God? Notice it says in verse 15 here in 1 John 3, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Do we really take this seriously? Or do we include the new people in our fellowship and not leave them off to the side, but get them involved, bring them to the table, help them? to see where they need need to, uh, you know, sit and be involved right in the middle with everyone. Not too pushy, but just enough to let them know that they're loved, brethren. You know, I, I go back to this verse 14, where it clearly says, He who does not love his brother abides in death. And then connected to verse 16 is clear. By this we know <clears throat> love, because he laid down his life for us. Notice also, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's in a living sacrifice for each other. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him and does not the love of God abide does uh, in him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let not love in word or uh, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue. 
that is not in the outward appearance, but in deed and in truth. Notice John 3 and verse 35. John 3 and verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. That's right. And so the Father also continues to love us, brethren. He loves us so much that he gave us not only his commandments, his word, but his only begotten son, that we might understand what it's like to be that sacrifice, that living sacrifice. We don't have to go through all that Christ went through physically, but we can be that kind of living sacrifice that truly reflects 1 Corinthians 13. Yes, no sermon on love really can be complete without looking at this a little bit more clearly. Notice a couple of different aspects in this particular chapter. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, have not this total selfless sacrifice of a love that Romans 12 speaks of, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, you know, many times we have these doctrinal discussions and arguments. Brethren, if you have it all, if you understand it all, notice, if you have it all, notice this, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Nothing. We are nothing. We could understand it all. We could understand God's infinite word completely and not have love. We are nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits nothing. Do we see, brethren? We could do all of these things. They're important. All the things we've been discussing are important. But if we don't have it on the foundation of the Father's love that must be expressed in us, that's a complete reflection of what God is doing to bring about tomorrow's world, the very, the very foundation of what the holy days and every single aspect of the feast is based upon and tomorrow's world is love, the, the very foundational principle in the Bible, brethren, it profits us nothing if we don't have love. Notice, love suffers long and is kind. Notice this, love does not envy. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. Brethren, it does not behave rudely. Notice these. We probably need to cut this chapter out in a sense, print it off from our computer uh, Bible uh, program or whatever and put it somewhere during the feast so that we will remind ourselves of these very basic principles in Christian living. Does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Just that one alone thinks no evil. You know, brethren, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Do we rejoice in truth or gossip? There'll be a lot of people in one spot. If somebody uh, says or does something you don't understand, ask the person. Go to that individual. Bears all things. Notice that. Bearing all things. 
believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. It's amazing, brethren. We can clean the outside, but we've got to clean that inside and put it on a foundation of love. It's amazing when we understand. Even correction, brethren, even correction is a part of love. Notice the last part of that verse. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Or languages, other languages, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But will our love last to the end, brethren? Will it be that light, that beacon of light in a dark world when this world is starting to search? Well, where, what are the answers? Where's the work we need to understand? Will you be there with that light, having been focused on the work, having been doing your job and my job? All of us together need to challenge ourselves like this. We must recognize that we are... Apart from God's Holy Spirit, we are nothing, brethren. We are totally nothing without God's love inside of us. Brethren, Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We deceive ourselves many times, brethren. I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Are we receiving the fruit of the wonderful blessings that we can receive from expressing that love to each of our brothers and sisters, especially at the Feast of Tabernacles? Yes, brethren, even God will be correcting us. He will be. So we must examine ourselves every day, especially at this Feast of Tabernacles. Each of us, brethren, needs to think about what we need to accomplish and what we need to do. As we get close here to the very end of the sermon, brethren, it's very important that we understand clearly what love can really do. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Through God's Holy Spirit, that love is coming through us and inside of us. So we must yield even to correction at times, brethren. We must really understand that. Today the love of many is growing cold in the world. Yet in the church the love of many must increase, brethren. It says many shall be offended in Matthew 24 and verse 10. And many will betray one another and hate one another. And it says because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. That wonderful godly love will wax cold. Don't let it wax cold in your life. As I said at the very beginning, love is a truly wonderful force, brethren. It's an exciting force. It's, a, it's, an, it's compelling in every way. And as I mentioned, Mr. Ames had given a wonderful sermon on unconditional love a while back. I just happened to have that tape, uh, that CD right here. And I, I want to uh, encourage you to check it out of your local library or online. And it's on unconditional love. And I was so overwhelmed by the, by the message of that because unconditional love, brethren, it, it doesn't set all these requirements. It just goes 
right to the heart of it. It loves the individual. It takes care of them, and it does, you know, it shows by the very expression inside of our lives of who and what we are all about as Christians. The true love of God can really be a powerful force. Brethren, two individuals found this out one day, and in a 1971, Anthony Burke and John Rendell published a book entitled A Lion Called Christian. Now, you obviously remember this story, and it's a true story of a remarkable bond between two friends and a lion. The story was also made into a feature-length documentary by the Born Free Foundation. A condensed video, uh, web video from the documentary became the third most popular viral video of 2008. With the permission of the filmmakers, the church was able to edit our own version of the video into a sh- uh, in, uh, video to be shown during evangelist Richard Ames' sermon on unconditional love, which I was just referring to a moment ago. This sermon, number 510 in the uh, LCG Sermon Library uh, is, uh, and incidentally, this church's version of the video now has over 65,000 views on YouTube. Uh, the Christian Science Monitor retor- reported in 2008 that more than 44 million viewers have seen this version, this uh, seen some version of this video, and I'm sure millions more have seen it by now. There, here's the the interesting story. In 1971, these two individuals, Mr. Burke and Mr. Rendell. Uh, purchased a 35-pound lion cub from Harrods Department Store in London, which quickly grew into a full-sized lion that obviously could no longer live in a city apartment. So they contra- uh, contacted uh, naturalist George uh, Abramson of the Born Free Foundation in order to help them reintroduce Christian into his natural habitat in, in Africa. Uh, They then flew the lion to Africa and placed him into a lion pride under uh, the guidance of this uh, Mr. Abramson. A year later, they went wanted to go back and see uh, Christian, the lion, in the wild. They were told that the lion would not remember them. Now, keep this in mind. The lion would not remember them. What happened when they were reunited was amazing. It demonstrates, brethren, what can happen with the power of love, even in this world. Can you imagine, brethren, with God's spirit in each of us, the love that each of us needs to be expressing? What happened then was amazing, as I said. And in introducing the video during this 2008 sermon, Mr. Ames described it as a demonstration of friendship and love that is millennial. This is a true reflection, brethren, of miniature of what tomorrow's world will be like, where the lion and the lamb will dwell together. And brethren, I would like to play this video again for all of you during the feast this year. And after which, I'll come back for just one final comment. But as you look at this film, I'd like you to pay special attention to the very last part of it. You will also see a female lion, his mate. And at first, the um, caretaker is trying to push that lion back because, after all, that's a wild lion. But then you notice 
that that particular lion comes up and wants to be loved too. Uh, The story is overwhelming, brethren, because it shows what true love can accomplish. And with God's spirit, it's really unlimited what we as God's people can do for one another and also for the church and the people in this world. If we truly understand our responsibility to develop that love in our lives. And now that particular clip.
Brethren, wasn't that incredible? And did you notice right at the end, the female lion, as I said, came out and she wanted to be loved too. A totally wild animal. Can you imagine what it will be like in tomorrow's world when everybody's at peace and there is complete and total love permeating every aspect of every part of daily life? Brethren, yes, indeed, their love for the animal was so strong that it overcame the wilds of Africa and that of the female lion never before in captivity. Brethren, animals understand love. Each of us needs to understand that in God's church. Each of us needs to express that love. Let's truly express it daily in our lives at this feast and throughout the rest of next year and throughout our Christian life. The Father's love in every way in us. Brethren, we must have every circumstance in our lives expressing the Father's love truly, that deep love in our inner being towards God, the Father, the Son, all of those things that God has created, His heavenly host, everything that God loves. He loves all of His creation and especially towards each other, brethren. Each of us needs to show and that love towards each other. Have a wonderful Feast of Tabernacles 2011 and express love, the Father's love, towards each other.